everyone, you're listening to the It's Starts With Action podcast. I am your host, Presence. The podcast is all about interviewing massive action takers who are achieving great things and inspiring you to also take action and believe in yourself. And today's guest is Zulam, who was the General Secretary and Chairman of the Trustee Board at LSE Student Union and also the first black man to hold the position in LSE's 125 year history. So it was great to talk to him. It was mainly about LSE, so this one might be more for LSE students. If you enjoy it, then please share it with other LSE students or friends or family if you want to. Give a review on Apple Podcasts and yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> we'll just go with it. I'm sad yeah. to record from, from my sneeze. I felt like that was a very good natural beginning. Oh so yeah, that would be so good. Uh, yeah, that would be exactly. a good one. It's all um, good. The, yeah. the audience can imagine it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe there might be another one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope. Just kidding. But um, yeah, so um, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of It Starts With Action. And today I'm very grateful to get to talk to Zulum. You went to LSE. I'm going to LSE. And you were the first black man to be general secretary at the LSE. So that's massive. How was that experience for you? How was the journey like? Well, firstly, hello, everyone. It's wonderful to be here. Presence, thank you so much for inviting me on. I, I love what you're doing. I think this podcast is super important. When it comes to my time as General Secretary, it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was an honor to represent 12,000 of you know, the world's <laughs> greatest students. Of course, I'd say that. Having <laughs> served them and having been one myself. Uh, at the LSE, uh, it's an incredible institution. It's very diverse very vibrant um, and incredibly ambitious and inspiring so being general secretary and being i suppose the single um or the foremost representative of those students to ensure that they had the best possible time at the institution they had an outstanding experience when it came to both the curricular and extracurricular activities to ensure that our community was welcoming um, and accommodating and supportive most importantly of students and their ambitions and dreams was was really a, an absolute honor for me and it's a time that will you know stay with me forever so what made you like go for it in the beginning why did you decide that oh maybe i want to try yeah so how did i realize i i might have something to to offer so it started really it, it was very organic very very organic so taking it way way back when i was in sixth form in 2013 I applied to LSE. It was the first university I actually researched when I was in year 12. Uh, around this time, actually. So around September time, when, you know, you're kind of getting into year 13 and you're having to make all these decisions and apply to UCAS. I, I researched universities and I saw London School of Economics and I was like, oh, you know, I love people. I want to know more about people. This university's motto is to know the causes of things. Um, I, I love the specialism as well. That was very attractive to me. The fact that it was there were specialists in social sciences and political sciences. And I had kind of vague interest in that area. So yeah, I, I, I wanted to go there. Um, I was predicted good grades, um, A star AA. Uh, I applied and I got rejected, which was disappointing. But I was always planning to take a gap year anyway, after year 13. So I thought to myself, you know, if I don't get in first time, I'll try again. Um, and that's exactly what I did. However, the, the miracle of the story is that I actually did not get my predicted grades. I got A, A, B. Which is still good grades, you know, nothing wrong with that, but it's obviously yeah. not HRAA. And what I needed to get into what was then called government, I think it's called politics now, um, was three A's. So I actually fell short of that um, uh, condition. But when I reapplied, I was sort of pragmatic slash cheeky. And I saw this course called Social Policy with Government that had a lower grade boundary. And I was like, you know what? I've never heard of this thing called social policy, but it's, it's social policy with government politics. That's why I studied at A-level, where I 
something I really enjoyed. Let me just go for it. I've got nothing to lose. I've got five places on UCAS. You know, this is a great uni and I'm sure I can sort of pick so my module So you chose it after knowing your grades, obviously. Yes, yes, exactly. So I reapplied during With my your, gap year. Oh, so you didn't like retake exams? No, I didn't retake. No, no. So I, I reapplied um, and I got in uh, and it was an absolute miracle. I did not expect to get in. I thought I'd go to another university uh, somewhere up north, but I always wanted to come to London. I'm from Norwich in the east of England. I've always had an ambition to go to the kind of bustling metropolis full of life and culture and excitement. And um, yeah, that's that's where I landed. And it's really just been a dream ever since. So I arrived in September 2015 after my gap year, just super grateful to be there. I really did hit the ground running. I just wanted to, I even drew up a list of societies and clubs I wanted to join so I could make the most of my experience. So I did um, come with intention, I suppose. Uh, but it really started off in Carsonders Hall, which was my halls of residence. Um, an incredible hall. It's the smallest halls actually at LSC, but it's very intimate, very familial. I absolutely loved it. And I um, was elected president of the halls of residence. So oh, the student committee. Presidents of halls. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of leaders at LSE. Everyone's a leader. It's great. Everyone's a president of something. <laughs> but yeah, in the student halls, in the student halls, you have um, committees. So you have a president, you have like a secretary, a vice president, you'll have events officers that make sure you know, social life in the halls is, is popping, um, communications officer, and a few other roles. Um, and whilst it's not paid, it's voluntary, you do get a lot of perks and privileges, as you can imagine. Everyone pays a common room fee as well, which comes towards a central budget. It's like a tax for living in the halls. Mm -hmm. uh, we should call it that. I think common room fee is probably a better word. Um, and you get to spend that money on things like free or open bars that people would have that would bring people together. Um, or we, we spent it on cinema, outings and events, and we just pay for people out of that budget. Um, so, yeah. We had barbecues, we had lots and lots of fun. We subsidized theater tickets, all sorts of things. But I think more than anything, because people's lives are so busy and they're obviously studying as well as doing their own clubs and societies, that host committee is so important in actually creating house spirit and bringing people together and putting on events that really enable people to get to know one another because they're living in the same place at the same time, which is, of course, a really, really um, fun and exciting time. So yeah, that's where it really started. And I, I just love where I was living. It wasn't because I love power or anything like that. It was really just out of, um, I suppose, having a servant heart, wanting to, seeing the potential that was in that community and seeing the kinds of personalities I was meeting and thinking, ah, we don't actually have, aside from having dinner in the canteen every evening, there isn't really a, a place where people can organically sort of meet up or do things together. And I, I just wanted to be responsible for delivering that for folks. Um, and it went really, really well. My second year, I, I was elected vice president of the African Caribbean Society at LSC. I'm actually wearing the top right now. There you go. Ooh, right nice. <laughs> I'm looking forward um, to my LSE hoodies. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of merch on the way. Plenty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the ACS, again, very similar story. I was really involved in my first year. Danced, choreographed, um, just loved the social side of it. Ran to be on the committee because I saw potential. Um, I think as well, growing up in Norwich, not growing up around many black or um, you know African Caribbean people, uh, I wanted to really be in the center of that community and I suppose connect with my roots, connect with people who had similar life experiences to me, and again create those spaces to ensure that the few black people that are LSE, unfortunately, our numbers aren't great, actually had a sense of home and belonging at the school. Um, so yeah, and that was again an amazing experience. Learned so much from that. Learned a lot about people managing situations, managing and delivering events, um, creativity. I, I choreographed our dance show, uh, our, our cultural show, 
um and yeah it was it was again very very informative experience and this is all extracurricular right this is all mm. alongside my degree yeah like which... how how hard do you find it to balance because i like i don't know to be honest like the thing i'm most excited about is like the extracurricular parts of uni because i feel like yeah gcse a level i've just been studying 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 and now that's it like, i'm so excited for like the extra stuff yeah and you should be you really should be i always put it like this i think when you're at university, I think grades, of course, they matter, but they some they matter a bit less because you're sort of proving yourself in many ways. You're at a great institution. Everyone will look and say, wow, you're an LSE student. You must be very clever. You must be driven and so on. So then that that no longer is, is enough, as it were, to distinguish yes. you from anyone else. You now need to have something extra. And I think you already do. You look, you already have a podcast with 50 plus episodes on it. Mm-hmm. So you're clearly proactive. You're clearly interested in... <laughs> um improving yourself and improving the lives of others and sharing incredible stories so that's already a sort of a distinguishing factor and yeah like i said i think when you come to university it really is through the extracurricular experiences that you gain those additional and i'd say exceptional skills like public speaking like managing budgets like putting on successful events like getting sponsorship from corporate companies. That's something a lot of um, students do when they're in committees because you know they get commercial sponsorships from various corporates and, and small corporations. Um, and then uh, use that money to fund events that they put on for their community. And it's just an amazing experience. It's not something that you'd, you'd have had yet in life. So it's, it's all about growth and growing again as a person. And I think those experiences really do teach you key life skills which stand you in good stead for um, the professional world and after you leave LSE and, and after you leave uni. Let's say someone is listening, going to uni and they want to be like in a leadership position but they don't think that they have the qualities of being a leader. Like, What tips would you have for them? I would I'd say if you're at LSE, there's clearly something about you. <laughs> oh, not LSE, just like in general. Very, oh, sorry? Just like uh, in general, so not just LSE. Just okay, anyway. yeah. I mean... Uh, I think in life you really do need to be your own biggest fan. I mean, I look, I believe in God. I love God. I think he's created all of us with an amazing purpose. Um, and our life's journey is, uh, I guess, to find that purpose and to maximize it as best as we can. Uh, and if you honestly believe that you're special and there's something unique about you, which you should just because you exist, and that is a miracle in itself. Um, you should want to share that with the world. You should want to see that um, potential optimized as best as possible. So I think it it just starts with that. It starts with self-belief. I think having cheerleaders is very helpful as well. And I mean that in, you know, metaphorical sense, having people that cheer you on in life and people that can actually highlight good qualities in you and actually put you aside and say, hey, you know, presence, I love the way you do this. I think, you know, you're really showing confidence, you're showing proactivity, you're showing all these amazing traits. And sometimes we can't highlight that within ourselves. So we actually need others to point it out in us. So having those supportive people around you too is really important. And then they can encourage you and be your support base for going for these roles and being really confident. And again, just reflecting on my time at Car Saunders in my halls, we definitely had that atmosphere in the halls. Like the, the effect of that halls or people who live there on like student life at the university as a whole was disproportionate. Why? Because everyone knew each other and everyone could support one another. Everyone would vote for one another and sort of endorse their campaigns. So they became very successful in the sort of wider LSE um, ecosystem. So, yeah. How about people who don't live in halls then? 
of course, it's still possible to be very successful and very prosperous, but you have to just put more work in. That's just the truth. Because the, the advantage of living in halls is that you literally sleep there. Your life is in the place. That is your yeah. home. Yeah. Whereas for you, your home is elsewhere. So it could mm-hmm. still, you can still have the same effect, but you just have to make the effort to be in those spaces, you know, more, more intentionally. So it can absolutely happen. Um, and I, I think you know, the person you are, it, it will definitely happen for you. Um, but yeah, maybe get, maybe get a TFL travel card so you can mm. <laughs> commute in and out quite quickly and, and be ready to take some late trains home. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be late. <laughs> but um, how about then, like, you're interested in dance and for our call, you said that you wanted to go into like, the creative industry. Yeah. Was that always the case? Like, what did you, and what did you choose, like, government or, yeah, social policy for a degree? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, okay, so when it comes to me and dance, I, uh, I think it's so special to me in particular because it was the one thing I did at high school that was truly mine and truly unique and truly self-driven in a way. I did a lot of sport in high school. I played rugby. I did um, some freestyle gymnastics as well. When I was younger, I did a bit of football, but nothing really stuck in that way. And I think there's an element of it being top down that perhaps I didn't quite like. I, I love the agency of dance, the fact that I'm creating this. So I even think I'm, I think of myself more of, more as a choreographer than a dancer. So someone that actually creates movement rather than just dancing to the latest trend on TikTok. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, <laughs> uh, I prefer to I, I generate ideas myself and then share them with others and, and teach them to others. So I think for me, that's where the love started. I started when I was 14 um, in, in high school, like I said, in a talent competition. And then we started getting invited to perform at various assemblies and variety shows and fashion shows. And the love just really grew from there. And again, having this sort of unique ability, which others didn't really have at that time. No one was dancing. It was all from YouTube. I just taught myself from learning music videos and choreographies and, and made some of mine sort of encourage one another there. I really wanted to come to London and really just pursue it, I don't know, just maximize it again, be in a space where I had opportunity to platform my art, to learn as well, to take classes. I took my first class when I was in first year. So that was when I was 19. So five years later, it was when I took my first class up to that point, I was entirely self-taught. I danced in a group as well. We have a hip hop dance career at LSE, which I was a part of. So that was the first time dancing in like a large collective and learned so much about movement from that and learn about um, the importance of coordination, of um, camaraderie on stage, and and again, just humbling myself to learn other people's choreography as well. Not something I was great at before. Um, so yeah, all of that has been very, very helpful and insightful. And I think the reason I chose to study a sort of uh, humanities degree instead of going to dance school or going down the purely artistic route, twofold. One is because I've personally always seen dance as slightly limited in terms of lifestyle. So firstly, the earnings can be quite shaky. It's not the most stable career in terms of income. And I eventually, God willing, would like to marry and settle down. And uh, yeah, you need you need safety and security at that point, but you know, economically and literally. So that's it. But also, you know, your knees get weak at some point. <laughs> I don't show you this energetic or athletic forever. Uh, as much, you know, I like to think I would, but aging is a thing. So knowing that at some point I would, there would have to be something beyond dance. And if I'm solely just focused on the art form and nothing else, 
I might limit my um, opportunities later on. So actually going to LSE, learning the skills I've learned has in so many ways enhanced my art and enhanced my understanding of where my art exists in the world, in the context of, um, you know, uh, society and so on. It's really enabled me to think more broadly and naturally about how I can apply my artistry and my creativity to different fields. And I think it's allowed me as well to just be a lot more effective and impactful in whatever I've been doing because I'm approaching almost every situation as an artist. That's honestly what I think of myself as, as an artist, whether it be being in these positions of um, public service, whether it be GenSec or president of this or president of that, or uh, I've been appointed to a few board of trustees and boards of directors. I'm thinking, how can we create an atmosphere, an environment that can allow others to flourish? And because I myself have literally, you know, listened to music and thought to myself, how can this be displayed in person? How can I take sound and put it into a visual display? I'm not thinking, right, how can I design policies that can that are, start off as ideas, right? So bring, bring, building community to use a very simple one at LSE. And how can we, again, choreograph our uh, communities that we look after to ensure that they are able to deliver um, the best experience for their membership? You understand? Those are the parallels for me. There's so many transferable skills in that. So that's why I always um, have had that uh, mindset of, multiplication and growth and expanse in my thinking. I think that's why uh, I chose to study Alice and it's, and it's worked very, very well. I mean, I'm really happy with the decision I made. I think it's uh, made me a much better person. I think my artistry has benefited as well as my business acumen, my exposure to executive decision-making and uh, governance, for example. You know, I, I was chairman of the um, Students Union, which is a 6.5 million pound organization. So having the experience of recruiting very senior staff members, I recruited our CEO, who's doing a brilliant job. Um, and again, working with that staff team to deliver excellence for the students. Uh, being, I was a governor of the LSE as well during my time as general secretary, which is of course the university, 400 million pound organization. We set up a new strategy for the LSE called the LSE 2030. I was, was able that to be during, you were, like during studying? During the two years. No, 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 during the two years I was general secretary. So I, I graduated from LSE in 2018. I was elected to general secretary in my third year and then served the two years after. So, so 2018 to 2020, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so, so being around that table with you know Damon Shafiq, who's our director and also a member, just again hearing, I mean, she, she's just an amazing leader, and uh, sort of being able to see her operate at the top level, it, it's inspiring, and it's also it, it's very educational as well because I definitely want to be where she's at and beyond someday. Um, so yeah, again, I wouldn't have had this if I just went down sort of artistic path. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to criticize it, but I just believe I've been called to do more and to have big impact in this world. And LSE and my experience and my degree has really enabled me to, to, to get there. So like, where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself? If anything's possible, what would be your ideal position? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. It's one I ask myself a lot. Uh, I think I'm getting closer to an answer. I want to be in a position in a, in a senior role at an organization that can positively impact people's lives for the better. I know that's incredibly general, but I wanted to have a creative element to it. So 
I mean, just say I'd love to be, for example, Minister of Arts and Culture in the UK. That'd be great. Uh, I know it's a political role, so either that or maybe the like permanent secretary of the civil service. It's working with it's called DCMS, Digital Culture, Media and Sport. So yeah, that's that'd be public sector, for example, or a senior executive at again a large media company like HBO or Netflix, Disney, BBC, these sorts of companies. It, it, there's so many gatekeepers there, and I don't think many of them look like me, and that that motivates me to you know and push for representation at the very top because ultimately they are deciding which stories we see and stories are so important in teaching us about ourselves and making us feel welcome in this world and giving us a sense of purpose and motivation um so yeah i definitely want to again be in those spaces to serve people and and create environments where uh, people can can flourish and understand themselves better and hopefully fulfill their potential so like with people who like listeners who have the same goal, um, what would you like, encourage them to do? And what would you encourage yourself to do at the same time, like to maybe get out of your comfort zone to get closer to where you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this year has obviously been very tough on 2020. I think the world has never felt more fragile. Um, although it has always been this fragile, but for now, you know, we've never had, I suppose, a very comfortable existence here in the West restricted or challenged more than it has been for now. Um, uh, uh, of course, um, with the passing of, of Chadwick Boseman on, on Saturday, uh, I've been extremely reflective on just how precious life is and how short it is. Um, and how we should really live every day like it's our last. Tomorrow really is not promised. It's a, every day is a blessing from, from God. And, and I, I think I've, it's made me very determined to make as much impact for as long as I can. Mm. Again, not to sound morbid, but I, I just, I don't know how long I have left. No, none of us know, none of us know. God willing, I'll live till I'm ripe old age, but maybe that, yeah. that won't be it. So I'm always thinking, okay, if I die tomorrow, God forbid, have I done everything I possibly could have done to make people smile, to serve people, to love people, to get out all that God has put within me in terms of potential and impact. Um, so yeah, that, that's really, I try and reverse engineer it and think, okay, I'm looking back, I'm reviewing my life. Did I, every opportunity I had to step up to the plate, to say the right thing, to do the right thing, to positively impact others' lives, to serve them. Um, did I, did I, did I do it? And um, I think I'm, I'm close to that at the moment. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm quite happy with, with with how much I've done. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we always take life for granted sometimes and don't realise actually we don't really know what's going to happen next. So having mm. like asking yourself if you're like making the most of every day and doing good, the impact you want to create, are you getting closer every day? Is yeah better than just not, watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and it's not our fear. It's not our mm. fear, it's actually quite the opposite. It's out of hope, it's out of desire. It's knowing that, oh, wow, I can actually do so much. I have so much potential and so much ability. Why would I not want to get it all out and bless as many people as possible and you know, make as big of an impact as I possibly can in the best sorts of sense? And again, with that selfless mentality, I think someone out there could be inspired by whatever you want to do, whether it be this podcast, someone listens to it and 
and is encouraged to take that step that perhaps they were afraid to take. So before, for me, someone sees a dance video or a campaign video I made or a speech or, you know, a piece I wrote, I just hope it impacts them positively. I may never know. I may never see the, the response, but sometimes I've heard things that have come back to me and I've said, wow, you know, you never know who's listening. You never, never know. So you should always be bold and, and step forward and, and, and take, take advantage of the platforms that we're gifted. So have you ever, like, have you ever had any challenges that you would say, what was the hardest, most difficult challenge that you went through? Oh, maybe a bit more specific. As in, I guess, what was the hardest thing that you had to take action to overcome? Yeah. Okay, obviously this is very relative to me. I, I've never considered myself to be especially academic. As in, for me, studying was a slog most of the time, uh, which is probably why I spent so much time dancing and <laughs> doing extracurricular activities. Um, so therefore, it might, I have to point to my dissertation. When I wrote my dissertation in my third year, man, that was, it felt like quite a dark time. It was really hard. It didn't help by the fact I didn't organize myself very well, and I wrote most of it in a month. Still got a first, though, so we made it, but... Lots of sleep. How long do you have to write it? <laughs> a year? <laughs> I see. <laughs> right, okay. Well, no, no, no. I mean, look, obviously a lot of prep work is done throughout yeah. the year. And usually it's written within the last few months. Okay. I left it a bit too close, which yeah. is not a unique story. I won't expose mm. anybody, but I'll expose myself. I, I certainly didn't leave too much time. Uh, and I was really pressurized. Um, but I think for me, the, the, the issue with it was that I was just alone for so long. And I'm mm. so, I'm such an extrovert. Like I do need to be around people and sort of bounce off their energy and stuff. And I was just doing graveyard shifts in the library, just by myself, just with this piece of work, reading, 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 working at it, working at it, working at it. And do you know what got me through? It was actually thinking forward to my graduation day, knowing that my grandfather was coming from Nigeria to celebrate, that my family in the United States were coming over to celebrate. I'm thinking, man, I really need to give them something to celebrate. I can't yeah. let them down. That was it. That's what motivated me. That's what got me through. It was again thinking about them. It was never really about me. It was yeah. down to me. I probably would have just <laughs> given up. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I think so many things for me as well. It's like, it's not exactly, for example, the podcast, it was in the beginning, it was just like kind of just trying it out trying to like have fun with it and I didn't and I never, I never even thought if it was going to be like a hundred like a, like a really consistent thing but when people started to listen to it and then I started to get messages from how people liked it I was like ah, yeah I need to be consistent I need to actually make sure that what I'm saying is like good and actually helps other people and like not give up on this because like, when I give up on this podcast it means other people don't get to listen to it um, but at the same time I really enjoy it so yeah, mm. but having a reason that's bigger than yourself is also, yeah, definitely That's good. it. You need to know your why. Yeah, you need to know your why. That's it. Well, a question I ask every guest is, what does the next best version of themselves look like? And how do they plan to get there? Wow. Next best version. Um, okay, so the next best version of Zillum looks like someone who's reading his Bible every day. That's not something I've done in the last month. Sorry, um, trying to get better. <laughs> um, that is um, 
again, loving others, serving others as best as I can. So, so you know, he's volunteering, he's given up of his time, he's generous with his time, uh, he's intentional about the way he lives. So he's in sort of letting time slip through fingers and isn't idly just focusing on that, which isn't beneficial to others. Um, and again, he's sort of squeezing the most out of every moment to ensure that his life is as big and as flourishing and as impactful as it can be. Oh yeah, and one question I feel like, how did you, so yeah, where did that kind of ambition come from in terms of wanting to, like, if someone listening to this kind of feels like they can't, they don't believe in themselves that they can do anything big mm. or like, yeah, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think it's important to know your story. And by that, I mean, of course, your own story of origin, but also that of your family. So I'm the son of Nigerian immigrants, and I take a lot of um, motivation and inspiration from their story in getting me to where I am today. The huge sacrifices that they made to come to the UK, to start a life here, to ensure that my, my siblings and I were well educated and well supported and uh, creating an environment where we could really flourish and be at our best. It's so inspirational and I really um, want to make them proud, of course, uh, but also push our family story even further and take it to, to new and, and proud heights because I mean, being an immigrant is hard, of course, and, and nobody chooses to leave their home uh, for, a, for a whimsical or, or weak reason. It's usually for very good reasons and want of a better life and want of greater opportunity for them and their their um their children so again just ensuring that the the gamble in moving abroad is is paying off and ensuring that their return on investment uh to use that lse language is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming back in abundance <laughs> um so is there anything you don't like about lse is there anything that you wish you would do differently so the university's improved a lot since I've been there. Uh, initially, it it wasn't a very welcoming place or a warm place, uh, despite the ability of the individuals inside it. I think there's been a big change with the new administration uh, to acknowledge that the greatest asset to the LSE is the people uh, in it. That, that's the students, to the staff, to the academics. And the more we create an environment of support, of celebration, right, of belonging and community, uh, the better everyone's experience will be. And, um, you know, the better that, that will reflect on um, results as well when it comes to people's, uh, when it comes to league tables, so student satisfaction, but also when it comes to people's personal stories, because for too long people said, you know, it was a great institution. It did a lot for my career. It's good to have on the CV. It was, it was a good brand to sort of add to the repertoire, but I had a miserable time there. That's a story, you know, unfortunately people have had in the past. And I think the tide really is turning and changing. Um, does that answer your question? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, last question is that I ask everyone again, is what challenge do you have for listeners today? Like, listening, it can be anything. Challenge? Mm -hmm. Ooh, you can prepare me for this presence. I don't prepare for anything. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I've got a very good one. Okay, so um, today's the first of the month. Yeah. I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but anyway, it's the first, it's Tuesday, the 1st of September, just to timestamp it. Um, 
I've been doing this 30 day app challenge, which is an app, free app on the app store or probably on Google Play as well or whatever. Uh, and it just leads you in some ab exercises each day. And it's great because you just, if you want to keep up, you can't really take a days off. They, they factor in some rest days, mm -hmm. but it, it means that you keep kind of ticking over. And I think exercise is amazing. It's important, kind of mind, body and soul. But it just ensures that you're disciplined because you can't miss a day. You know, you can't do like two in one day. So you just have to keep on it. And I think actually, if you how build, oh, uh, it depends how quick you do the exercises. Oh, maybe so like, not it's not like timed thing. No, 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 no. I mean, maybe 10, uh, 10 to 20 minutes, depending on how quick you are and what level you're at. Obviously, as you get more advanced, the exercises get higher in rep, uh, you know, repetition and more complex as well. But my point is, you can actually build disciplines and activities around the exercises does that make sense so if yeah. you're like okay every day at 12 p.m i will do my ab exercises by 12 p.m i want to have read 10 pages of this book and then after that i will do this i just think you, you can just structure your day quite well and it gives it yeah. some focus and you can also say i did something every day i've got myself fitter and honestly you will not only feel great you will look great after yeah. A few days. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I've just like it's kind of semi going. Uh, yeah, yesterday I was like, okay, September's gonna be different because I'm gonna get back into like a proper sleep routine, a proper exercise routine. Because honestly, it's been so bad last month. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the first month is a good time to reset. It is. Yeah, and it's like a new but chapter because university starting and before, like it's just like six months of lockdown holidays over now. Like actually gonna go back to. Yeah. Be excited. Yes, and uh, I'm excited for like meeting new people, the, the societies and stuff. But I'm not excited to like revision and exams again because I honestly didn't touch any A level stuff for six months. So I forgot everything, even the basic economics, basic. Yeah. Maths. So we need to catch up. Uh, yeah. You'll be all right. Remember, everyone's in the same boat as you, so you'll be fine. And also, just know the institutions are aware that you haven't been in the classroom for six months. So, <laughs> yeah, they'll meet you where you're at. Yeah, but um, thank you so much. And if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Instagram or LinkedIn, both handles Zilla Melamogo. Also, follow my new dance page. I just created it this week. Opening up all, all the dance, all the choreography, freestyles, everything I've pretty much ever done. That's... Instagram, so Zulum underscore the dancer, Zulum the dancer. Okay. Zulum the dancer, gonna check it out. Um, any tips for, I guess, new dancers or people who want to dance but are afraid to start? Just do it, just do it. Just in your bedroom, how I started, play some music and just move your body. That is honestly the best way to start. Just do it, dance like no one's watching. Um, I dance for me. I dance because I just it just makes me feel incredible. It's not it's not to perform to show off or anything like that. Um, so yeah, just do what makes you feel good. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Feel free to connect with us. My Instagram is presence underscore start of action, and it would be really appreciated if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell me what you think of it. And yeah, until next time, guys.